Welcome to the podcast. It's 2.18 in podcast time on the very first day of Black History Month. It's Groundhog Day Eve. It's Super Bowl week. Hi, Alex. Hiya. So, uh, breaking news, Dustin Diamond died. Dustin Diamond passed away. Um, you know, not not surprising. There was just a, a cancer revelation diagnosis a couple of weeks ago, and I don't even know specifically what kind it was, but uh, yeah. there was a guy, you know, um, there was a guy who had a lot of demons. Yes, he did. I mean, that's a lot of child stars. It's awful. Disorderly conduct with a concealed weapon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not everybody winds up on the wrong side of the tracks, but it. I guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to parse it too much because I'm sure, sh- sure there's. It, it equates rather comparably to the normal population of people who grow up and um, wind up on the wrong side of the tracks and maybe dead. Um, we just focus on this because we grew up with a lot of these people. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I'll say this for the same thing that I said about um, somebody that I worked with uh, for a long time. In, he in in the media, he worked for a record label. He, he killed himself mm. uh, awfully. He had uh, he had two small children. He's having a lot of problems with his wife, but the, the two chil- children. Um, I thought that would keep him around, but he he killed himself, and I don't know how. But for as long as I knew. With the, ex- with the small exception of maybe like five to seven years from the time he got married through his marriage until it started to fall apart, mm-hmm. he was haunted. Really? And, and I, like I remember saying at the time, well, I, I don't know where I said it or who I said it to. And I, was, I know I was delicate about it, but he was in a better place. He just could not defeat his demons. And that's probably the same thing for, for Dustin Diamond. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, there's a... Uh, we see it on the local level, on a personal level, and on a national level. So you, it's like you, you always know, not always, it doesn't always go in that direction, but sometimes it's rough to see what direction someone is heading heading in. Yeah. That's um, too bad. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's stay with drugs, <laughs> and we'll go quickly with this because there's some other fun things. Yeah. I don't want it to, to be a, a Black Monday it's real somber and sad, although it, it can be in some ways. Um, sure. So in the last couple of hours, Alex and I puffed our chest out a little bit um, because uh, you hear us more often than not recently talk about how we believe that, you know, a lot of unfortunately violent crimes are committed. But the impetus behind them is because someone is using drugs. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm sorry. There is a mental health issue, which is often connected to drugs and substance use yeah and then then the other part of that is there's often desperation oftentimes systemically induced um oregon the state not uh the city east of toledo uh oregon the state has now made all drugs um legal and they will endeavor to get people rehabilitation instead of jail time Mm -hmm. instead of jail time Oregon is an ex- it might be like the new California when it comes to to progressive social sure. social things. Yep. Um that's why there was a lot of clash and protests over the summertime. Um because not everybody's going to agree with everything especially when they're I don't want to say they're radical, they're just very progressive. Radical has a has a terrible connotation to it. This is very progressive and we've always believed in this and I hope this is the first step like, you know, whoever was the first state to legalize marijuana to embracing the fact that um that that drugs are are a brain problem and let's fix these people rather than putting them away for what was never really prison rehab let's get them real rehab and make these people productive members of society because they're they're only criminals because of their addiction and their addiction is often a brain problem I was um, I'm, I was really happy to see it, and I have said this a couple times. I don't think on the podcast, but I think that the, in the way that we are looking back at certain policies like stop and frisk, and we're pulling out all the negatives and like cringing at how awful that was. I think decades from now, um, when we are in a better place as far as drug usage in our in in our country and how we respond to it, I think we're going to cringe at you know, how awful 
like it, it was. And granted, you, you learn as you go. So I understand that. But I'm really happy to see what Oregon is doing because I agree there needs to be more options for rehab um, for individuals so that we can rehabilitate them back into society. Um, so I was really happy to see that. I watched the documentary. You know, I love a good documentary. And I watched um, Netflix has a new one out. I forget the name, uh, but it circles around like crack in the 80s and what crack did to communities, um, specifically communities of color, actually solely communities of color in the documentary. And it was just really sad to watch. And it was from the perspective of crack users and crack dealers. Um, it was just really, it was just really, really sad to watch. And so we're still feeling the effects of that. Heroin is coming in. Um, people will feel the effects of that decades from now. So I'm happy to see it. Yeah, me too. And I agree. We'll, we'll look back, but we won't. I'll be dead. <laughs> you might have grandkids and they'll be like, you're going to live so long. Nope. Old man, Eric, I know, for I know, real. I know. I'm going to be Methuselah. I'm going to be like 142 years old. It will <laughs> to live that long. That will be my curse and my punishment to live forever. <laughs> but we will, we will look back and go in the same way that you look back to the Roman Colosseum and go, people bludgeoned each other for, for sport. We're going to yep. look, we're going to look back and go, weed was illegal. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about this. And if you want to, you know, as I'm, I'm going to start saying all the time now, if you want to pull the string on these problems and, and follow the string, if somebody's going, well, people, people who do all these drugs, they're committing a lot of crimes. Well, great. Let's rehabilitate, re let's rehabilitate their minds, get them off mm -hmm. drugs. And they very likely will not be committing these crimes anymore. And that goes back to the point of many crimes are committed by people with a mental health issue. So, yeah. And I think some people can't look past that initial choice to use. Like they, 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 they look at a person who's addicted to drugs and they still look at them in the same way as they were prior to their, um, prior to them starting to use and they're like, well, that was a choice that they made. Yeah. At that time. But then after that, you know, after that, it was just down. What were they able to do? You I'll, know, what could they do? I'll go even further. I'll, I'll go before that. You're right. It, it's a choice to smoke that crack, put yeah. that needle in your foot, take that drink, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But what led you to that? Because, you you know, we all have this beaten into our heads. Don't do drugs, kids. All this stuff. When You know, most people have this beaten into their heads. Even if you are... Um, in a in a lesser school situation, in inner oh, city, like you are told, don't do drugs. So something makes you make that decision. Something brought you to the precipice of looking addiction in the face. Right. And some people follow it all the way through. Other people do it and go, this is not for me. It's it becomes a reckoning, and they want to change their life. So something brought you to that moment. And yeah, often, yeah. oftentimes, it's something that has crippled your mental health. I mean, it's genetic, it's environmental, it's, it's all of it's peer pressure, it's all of those things or all at once. Um, but I think that some folks can't look past um, the initial, you know, they made it was the choice that they made and and really realize like how much of a stronghold drugs can have on you after you take the, after that first try after yeah. that first hit and what that does to you. All right, let's move on. Um, sure. That was some breaking news. There's some other breaking news. We discussed it earlier. I'm very excited. In fact, this is going to be the brewery segment on the <laughs> podcast. Um, have you ever been to Ernest Brew Works? I have not. I, oh, my gosh. Sonny's like, I love that place. Of course, because I was just kidding. Anybody that has been there knows they're extremely dog friendly. I lost you. There you go. So, You're back. Yeah. When I get a call, it jumps me out. They're uh, they're very dog friendly there. Yes, um, they are. They yeah. often have fundraisers that benefit various dog places that I have friends at, and I know them because every time I'm I, I throw out something like peanut butter beer, they're like, "You got to go to Ernest Brew Works." So mm -hmm. it's uh, at the end of I guess what is it? Is that like Detroit and? It's at the Burn. roundabout. Yeah, yeah it's Detroit, at the roundabout. Detroit and Burn. So I guess. Great news, they've outgrown that little tiny spot. And now they're moving to not one, but two places. Good one place them. is downtown 25 South St. Clair Street. Um, so that's right down the street from where I used to live. If I'm not, so if you're, if you're looking at Maddie and Bella, are you looking mm -hmm. at Maddie and Bella? Yes. Okay, if you're looking at Maddie and Bella, I think they're to your left, down the block, like if you're walking towards 75, I think. To your, if I'm looking at Maddie and Bella on what road though? On St. Clair. 
Like if you walk outside of Maddie and Bella, walk out uh-huh. to, and, you, and you turn right, I think okay. that, that's oh, the direction they're in. Like by Spaghetti Warehouse? No. Uh, no. Well, that, that street connects and becomes one road, all St. Clair. It's kind of been, I think there's only like a, um, a place there that has uh, like party rental things like chairs and tables and it's a small event center. It's down close to 75. There hasn't been much development there. At least there wasn't, but now there is, and I guess this will be part of that. So that's very cool. Very good. So I have never, obviously I've never been there, but I mean, what I was most excited about about this story is um, it's not a story about a business that's shutting down because of a pandemic. They're actually growing. I was, I mean, it's just some positivity, not to, you know, no shade on the companies that are having a really difficult time, but it's nice to hear that um, this local local business is able to expand themselves and has plans on moving forward uh, two, this summer. Two things. I, I might be off base here, uh, but one, it's just alcohol. I don't think they have any food there. So um, alcohol sales have been quite high over the last <laughs> 10 or 11 months. What and, they do, what they do have though, that's really smart. Sorry to cut you off. They have food trucks yes, outside all yep. the time. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the place a little bit, maybe you can help me out here. Cause I'm not a hundred percent certain when I think of Ernest brew works, I think of like a four to nine or 10 crowd, not like a way after midnight crowd. They might not even be open, mm-hmm. be open that late. Um, it's, I, I've always viewed it as a place where let's, uh, let's go hit the food truck and mm-hmm. we'll grab some beers and mm-hmm. then we'll go downtown. Yeah, I, exactly. So they're, they're probably a place that you would go to first before you head downtown. When I, when I used to go to like two places <laughs> when I was right. heading out, when I was heading out and it was actually like a whole event. Um, and they're also a, a Sunday afternoon kind of yep. place to me, or like, uh, you're off of work early on Friday and you want to go yep. have a drink. Um, so they were never but, super reliant on, uh, on staying open to the wee hours Friday and Saturday night. But I think they're, well, I don't know. I'm still stuck on where they're going downtown, but their, their downtown location can add them into the mix as far as the late night crowd. His people... Yep. At least I don't go on this road anymore, but I used to go from Blarney all the way down to Bronze Boar. Um, like we used to hit the bars <laughs> just like that. So this is farther off the beaten path, but it's an area that's developing. I, I can walk you to it. So you know where the farmer's market is, right? Yes. All right. So if you're at the farmer's market um, mm-hmm. and you make a right, not near Libby, like the other end of the farmer's market where you can buy the tokens... Mm-hmm. Where the bridge that goes over the creek, over Swan Creek. Mm-hmm. No, exactly where that okay. is. So that, that that's St. Clair. So follow that up towards 75. That's okay. where it's going. Okay. Is that where they head, where you get, say you get off the highway to come towards downtown. So you get off the 75 and you used to have to go straight. And now they, they put like a opening so you can go right towards Maddie and Bella's the back way. Does that make sense? You know what? It's been so long since I've used that. I, I, I want to say I think yes. Okay. Hold um, on one second. It, Petey! Petey! Peter! Stop it. Sorry. Come here. Petey. Oh, I might put Sunny in her crate because she's like, fine, I'll go in my crate for a little while where Pete will go in and start to like scream. But, okay. Continue. Um, The other place is, and sometimes the essence and spirit just lives on. Mm-hmm. Um. So when I would be over here, like before I was here every day and where I lived, mm-hmm. I'd be like, where's there? There's a liquor store around here. They're like, yes, there is. Everybody goes to the, to the liquor store inside the Kroger. That was at Glendale and Byrne. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I, I went in there one day. I'm like, I, I see like an aisle of beer and limeritas, which is great, but I don't see the liquor store. And then I finally found it one day. So then Kroger consolidated because it made no sense to have that Kroger there right down the street from the mostly remodeled mm-hmm. Detroit and Glendale Kroger. So that Kroger has been closed for several years now. And in parts of that, that's where the other Ernest Brew Works is going, where they're going to have seating for up to 150 people. That's nice. And they'll have like a, a decent patio, um, yep. it sounds like. So I, I'm still a little, I'm picturing the plaza I guess I never like I've only learned of that plaza before there was a Kroger, after there was a Kroger there. So um, I'm trying to picture where they're going. Is that is it in, next to the tire place? I think they're going in the Kroger. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're going in the Kroger. Isn't it right next to where the tire place is? There's like a yes. Goodyear or something. Yep. 
Okay, yeah. I know exactly where that is. I don't love that plaza, but I feel like this could bring a different type of crowd to agree, it. Agree, 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 agree. That's don't, I go, to, I, go yeah. to, I go to that gym sometimes, but I don't need to go to like the city jeans place. No, or, no. I mean, I'll go to Big Lots. I'll go to Big Lots though, right. but not Rent a Center, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't love um, that place. That that uh, plaza actually at all, and I think it needs some some re- revitalization. Yeah, and it's uh, I, I'm curious to talk to people closer to Ernest Brewworks and go, why'd you pick there? Because it it doesn't fit like a glove, but maybe yeah. they're going to be like, hey, we want to bring some other businesses like us. And I'm also going to guess that they got an incredible deal because uh, that thing's been sitting there empty forever. So yeah, and maybe they, ha- I mean, maybe they do have a loyal kind of customer where they will travel with them from the location that they're at now. Because I did read that they are eventually going to close that location yeah. at Burn in Detroit. Um, so they will come with them, but they're going to need new people to to kind of meet the expansion. And I'm just I don't know. I'm I'm just slightly concerned based on the crowd that goes to that plaza currently. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just slightly concerned, like, but, you know, they probably you're right. They probably did get a good deal. And it's a little like it for me, it would be scary to be the first business of that kind to come into that location because there was a pizza hut. There's a pizza hut, a standalone pizza hut in that parking lot that got turned into a steakhouse. Dallas steakhouse. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I've seen a car in that steakhouse since yeah, they opened. Yeah, that, that was so, do- that was doomed to fail. But he, yeah, look, I we're both like hanting around the thing with the clientele in that area over there, <laughs> and, and it's true to a, to to a point. Um, yeah, but I think that parking lot is so massive. Like mm-hmm. you're not gonna have mingling of parties, so to speak. Yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. And and literally, Ernest Brewworks could do if it got the right permits and everything, like a food truck fest in that parking lot. So that's what I'm hoping that they'll do, and I think that will certainly bring the crowds. Um, but I'm just worried. Like I hope it doesn't turn people off, where they're like, don't know if I want to go there. I don't love that plaza compared to where they were in the middle of a neighborhood, um, where it was just more. It was like, okay, I can go there. Uh, a guy with a flannel shirt and a, and a long beard, that dude will go anywhere to drink his beer. And the girls that like that kind That's of guy true. will follow that guy. <laughs> um, I told you it's the brewery segment. Um, do you know what Black Frog Brewery is? I think so. Yes. Yes. I've, uh, yes. I've learned about them a couple of times. I looked them up because I heard that they were on Reynolds. I'm like, I live near Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And then I... I like did the map thing and I'm like where where in the where are they mm-hmm. and because they're hidden back so I don't know what road it is and I use it at least once a week um they're at Reynolds and something there's a Mike's Pizza and more and a Chinese place and there's a shell and then just down from the uh Mike's Pizza spot there's a small like a couple of places and then in the back is little tiny black frog brewery and they are a I, I almost wonder if like this whole thing was like orchestrated for Black History Month because it got me talking about. It. But they are a black-owned brewery. Yes, yeah, so that I think that might be exactly why I've heard about them. But I don't. Where where on Reynolds are they now? I don't know the exact cross street or else. And uh, but like it, I could walk there. Okay. So it's it's not far. If anybody wants to help, here we go. Um. <laughs> So, I saw a Facebook post yesterday, and uh, I don't know, people were sharing whatever, and it came my way easily enough. So, a a person named Rob Love Mm. doesn't recommend Black Frog Brewery. Owner is an asshole. And his, his font is all weird, too. Owner is an asshole, totally dissed me, likes to tell you they're closed, even when he's there all kicked back, with a room full of people drinking... I will never give him one penny of mine. Don't give this jackass your business. Black Frog Brewery responded, I'm sorry you feel that way. As you saw the sign on the door, we close at 9. You came after 9, and the two couples that were left were finishing their beer. I would like to know how I dished you by telling you that we were closed. So, two things here. One, this guy's a dumbass because for the last 10 or 11 months, um, you should have learned that before you go somewhere... Check their Facebook page. Google it. Even then, it might be off. And then take the extra step to call them to see if they're open. Mm -hmm. Um, The next thing is something I think we've talked about a couple of times. 
when it comes to specifically restaurants, but small businesses, um, and, and even the Krogers of uh, of the world. First of all, don't don't like don't speak in general. Don't speak in generalizations because nothing is all this or all that or mm-hmm. not all that. Um, but don't make one experience unless something like unless you saw someone being murdered or you walked in on like an orgy and that's completely against your social standards. Like give a place more than one chance. I, I hate when I see a place and this has happened when I was, and I've talked about a lot of food places lately, big slice and all the others. Oh, it, 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 the cheese was burned when I got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many times did you get it? Oh, the one time really like maybe there was something going on. Maybe somebody had a bad day. Maybe you weren't feeling whatever. Give places multiple chances before you come to a definitive conclusion. I would agree, but I think that this isn't that great, but this guy is obviously not that type of person. <laughs> he's right. not the type that's going to look up the times before he shows up, and he's pro- probably the type that's like I'm showing up at 8:59 so you have to serve me and I'm going to take my I'm going to take about 25 minutes to finish my beer, thanks. Um yeah, that's I saw that this weekend and I was like, "Ugh." And I, then I clicked his page and I was like, "Okay, he looks like the type there's another girl on my Facebook page when I post she's like I know this guy I was like do you want to say anything to him while he's getting like scorched here she's like no that's just kind of the guy he is so and somebody might have an issue with um, me hanging his name out there Uh but I don't care like you've got to know where you're putting your things on the internet and that they're so accessible I don't have an issue with you hanging his name out there, but if I were to play devil's advocate on the reverse side, I know I've heard of Black Frog and I know that they do really good things in the community. And I, from what I've read, this gentleman, the owner seems like he's a reasonable guy, but I don't agree with, um, I don't agree with always hanging somebody's negativity out there and like, you know what I mean? Like, look at this, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, you're a business owner. So I think that there's going to be a tons of people uh, I don't know. I guess I don't agree with businesses airing. It's not even dirty laundry. Well, but it, The business didn't do this. Somebody else shared it away. I thought he did. Like, I thought the owner of the bar did. I, 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 I thought I, he, I think it was him that said, this is what I deal with. How, because he was like, how exactly did I go. dish you? And that's where I don't, I, even when you're responding to criticism on a, uh, on a review, I don't necessarily agree with being a little, being like, I don't agree with that kind of rebuttal. That's my own taste. Like, I feel like you're a business owner. Your business stands alone. This one review isn't going to kill you and you can just let let it be, you know, just let it be. You don't have to respond to this particular person, let alone respond to them in that way. Beyond saying, um, I apologize, you were not pleased with not being able to come into the bar after our closing hours. You know, please let me know if I can serve you in the future. Literally and leaving it that compared to you know challenging him in the review and then posting it on your facebook for everybody to see um i don't necessarily agree with that and i see that all the time like i there's i have friends that are business owners and are constantly not that this the owner of black frog is doing that but are constantly complaining about their clients and this client did this i'm like don't you know your clients are seeing that like they can see what you're saying um about them and it, I, it just rubs me the wrong way. I'm not a fan. No, I get it. And I think each each situation is is unto itself. And I don't think yeah. you should regularly do it because then you're going to get a reputation as, you know, you're, people are going to be hesitant to be relaxed. And mm-hmm. they're, they're going to think that they're going to be, they're going to think they're being watched. But this dude was a dick. Like he was, oh, yeah. oh, he yeah. was a straight oh, up yeah. dick. And oh, yeah. you know me. I am all for like public pay-per-view executions like from medieval times. So let these people burn at the stake. And that's, I mean, for you to share it, that's fine. That's, it's a talking piece for you. And even if other people see it and they're like, look at this bonehead, like I'm fine with that. But the actual business itself participating in that, I'm like, meh, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know if I love that. Um, Because reviews are for good reasons and for bad reasons. But this guy is also an asshole. So right. not the business owner. I keep saying that. Not the business owner. The Mr. Love or whatever his name is. Not to go too much deeper on this, but I look at it as like if if you, if you the friends you were talking about were like, if people were leaving um, negative but honest reviews, mm-hmm. um, 
I have a problem with you hanging those people out. Look, maybe that you're just not their thing. Like, don't mm-hmm. hang them out there to get pity for yourself. But if mm-hmm. people are being dicks like this guy, let them burn. I remember I put up a negative review. I'll never forget this. And shame me, shame me. I, I give you permission to shame me for it. I actually had, uh, I don't regret it, but I won't forget it. I had a very negative experience with Toledo police and it was my first one. And I was so like, I I literally felt traumatized. And so I gave a review and people ripped me to shreds. I didn't even think that far, you know, that people were going to see it. And I got ripped to shreds, like no more than other reviews. Like I had looked at other reviews on their website and they were like, there was similar, there was like 30 comments or something of people like, you have no idea what the Toledo police face and, and all of these things and like blaming me for what happened when in fact it was a, it was a negative on Toledo police's part. Cause I went through with a formal complaint, but, um, just the fact that I went on there and said it and I, I don't now looking back in retrospect, I would have just went and did the complaint compared to left, a, left a review online. Cause I'm not a review type of person, but yeah, I've done it before and I'll never do it again. I'll tell you that. Yeah, we've got to have that kind of foresight. I've I've slipped up like that as well and and realized that I've made a mistake or mistakes. Mm-hmm. All right, quick pause here. I got a couple of traffic reports to knock out, okay? Mm-hmm. Sit tight. Okay, all done. We're back. Cool. Did you get your sword? So the package is not in my possession because the post office has it in like limbo. So they claim that they attempted delivery. Uh, and this is not just their fault. Obviously, they have an agreement with Amazon that I'm sure they all hate. Um, they said that they attempted delivery on Sunday. Not true. I was here all day on Sunday. So unless they knocked like a church mouse, there would have been no way that they attempted delivery, especially with these two dogs that bark at right. everything. You were home the whole uh, day. Or I was seen... home the whole day. Yeah. Didn't leave at all. And um, so... They took it to the post office. And so in the, when I went to track it, they said is available for pickup at the post office. And so I said, all right. So I went today to pick it up. And then um, when I went, she said that they attempted delivery again. And I said, when today? She goes, yeah, we attempt. Del- we it's not here. They probably attempted delivery today. I said, why didn't they say that in the tracking? Then I wouldn't have tried to come and pick it up like and I would have tried to stay home if I knew you were attempting delivery. So sure enough, I went back and they said they attempted delivery again at 1130 and I'm not here. And I said, so then what happens? Like if they attempted delivery again today and I'm not there, is it coming back to you? She goes, yep, they'll bring it back to the post office. I said, will they attempt delivery for the third time or will they leave it there so I can come and pick it up? She goes, nope, they'll leave it here. I said, okay, great. Thanks. Hashtag post office, post office problems has to be uh, somewhere. That was the worst thing about living where I lived downtown because sometimes there was one delivery thing, UPS, FedEx, whoever, mail per- could get into the building, but some mm-hmm. couldn't, and they'd leave the thing there, and have to, I'd have to go down to Perrysburg to pick something up, and the, and the same thing. No, we don't have it. It's out for delivery. Well, I'm not there right now. I know. It's so obnoxious, and this is not the first time that it's happened to me, and I was slightly worried it was going to happen again. We have an Amazon hub, so we have that big thing on our property that's basically like a big thing of lockers of different sizes and it's electronically controlled and so packages go in there and you get an email that says it's in there but obviously this package is too big to fit in any one of their um cubbies and my our properties office does not accept packages anymore traditionally the post office would take all the packages to the office sign them into a book and then you go and pick them up and sign them out they don't do that anymore either so it's basically in limbo so i'm hoping they don't attempt to deliver again tomorrow and I can just go and pick it up. All the more reason for you to have an accident, get pregnant and buy a house. <laughs> no, no, but I am, I am annoyed. I'm annoyed by it. So hopefully it'll be here tomorrow. Um, you watched uh, the little things over the weekend. Is that I what it's did. called? I think it, uh, yeah, the little things. Yep. It's called the little things. I, did- I, I can't find anybody who enjoyed it. Okay, I'm glad. I'm I'm bummed. I enjoyed it because Jared Leto was in it and Rami Malek, and I love him and Denzel. So I enjoyed it just for that alone. But it just was, it didn't, it wasn't put together very well for me. Like it was just not great. And I could not figure out, Jared Leto looked different. And I couldn't <laughs> figure out 
why? And then I'm like, oh, I think he has a fake nose. He, I know he has a fake nose, and they bleached his eyebrows. <laughs> so he looks like he don't have eyebrows. Um, yeah, I can't. Uh, uh, a lot of my movie people watched it, and nobody liked it, and I didn't see any buzz about it anywhere. And the cast alone had me interested. But then, yep. yeah, when, you, when I saw your text on Saturday, and I was like, what? And I was instantly kind of deflated. However, did you watch WandaVision this week? No, we still haven't started it. Damn it, is it good? Yeah, this week explains this 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 weekend was exposition where it brings everybody up to speed. So yeah, you get get to it, and they're quick too. Um, they're they're all less than thirty minutes. God, what's wrong with them? Like the Mandalorian used to piss me off because I'm like, wait, it's over already. I don't know what to tell you. I need more. I'm greedy. I mean, it does um, it does kind of suck for how much we pay for it, and. To your point, I saw I got the email today or saw the news today that you got it first, but everybody else's Netflix is going up a buck. <laughs> unless, Good. Now I, now I don't feel bitter about it. <laughs> unless like you have the homely package, which I I can only compare to um, whenever you'd get cable, there was like expanded basic and you're like, what's that? 30 channels and you have to get like the ultimate expanded basic to have TNT. So I'm assuming the the one Netflix plan that doesn't go up really doesn't give you shit. I think, yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't even, I didn't know that there was different Netflix plans. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I feel like I have a good one. I think I can see everything. I don't have commercials. So, yeah. Um, a couple of, I guess, more serious things. Um, one, um, for some reason, like, there have been so many celebrity and famous deaths the last handful of weeks. Cicely Tyson just died. Um, she was an icon. And it, it, it sucks because this clump of famous black people, just as we get into Black History Month or in between Martin Luther King Day and Black History Month, died. Now, look, they were they were all old. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like the Grim Reaper is picking people off. But you know who Hank Aaron is, obviously, right? Yep. Yeah, he died uh, last Friday. Cicely Tyson, and countless other famous people. And again, Dustin Diamond, more of a tragedy, succumbing to his demons. But just it's been a slew of famous famous people, celebrities, athletes, just dying, dropping dead. Larry King a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And this is all, it, like, none of, it, none of it pricks a vein in this case. But the death of former Temple University basketball coach John Chaney has hung like a black cloud over me all weekend. And... It's caused me lots of reflection. Mm-hmm. And do you know who he is? No, I don't. Kind of. Not, not really. No, actually, not even at, not at all. I think he's the winningest black college basketball coach of all time. Okay. Uh, and I will try not to go too deep on this, but when I was a kid growing up, basketball, you know, I just loved all sports, mostly basketball, baseball, and football. And John Chaney resonated with me. He was a yeller and a screamer. But not like the Bobby Knight chair-throwing kind. Um, You could see that he deeply cared about his players. And look, I I almost wanted to check with a friend of mine who works at Temple University before I posted what I did earlier this morning, a a short essay about what I learned from John Chaney from afar. I was like, please tell me that there's been no whispers about him being like an awful deviant human being. And I I didn't get in touch with her. But I did a lot of research over the weekend. And look, everybody's got some bad things. I I don't think like... John Cheney was close with Bill Cosby. They were the faces of Temple University in nineteen in the eighties. I remember growing up, Bill Cosby would say, "Take the Temple University challenge." Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't turn out so well for Bill Cosby. I don't think that's the case for John Cheney. I guess as little as three months ago, as he was dying, he was still going through his neighborhood, and he lived in a very normal neighborhood for all the millions he's made over the years, trying to register people to vote. Oh, wow. Um, He was that kind of a human being. And he plucked kids from really bad situations and said, look, you can come play basketball here, but you're going to listen and you're going to learn. And you might never make it to the NBA, but you're going to be a damn great human being. And reading some of the quotes from... And reading quotes from people before, from his former players long before he died, like you can hear the quality of human being he made. And... A lot of what he did and how he coached and what he demanded of people um, and what he made of them really resonated a lot with me. And 
of all the famous Philly athletes and, and Philly sports people that have come and gone and died, um, he meant maybe the most to me. And I, it, it's crazy because I was not who was in his orbit. Um, he picked kids from gang-ridden, violent neighborhoods in many cases to come play basketball for him. Mm-hmm. And I was just a kid who wasn't good enough to make the basketball team from a, you know, kind of an upper middle class. And he just resonated like crazy with, with me. And, um, I wanted to go to temple because of, for, mm-hmm. a, for him and a lot of reasons, but also because it mirrored my matriculation through school. Uh, you know, I've said before that I'm very grateful to have been, have, to have gone to school with kids that look different from me. And there were more of them as I got deeper into schooling. Because I know a lot of kids, when I went to George Washington High School in Philadelphia, were bussed in from all over the city, West mm-hmm. Philly, North Philly. And they would get up, they'd tell me, like, they'd get up like 5 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, take a bus to walk to the bus, to take the L, to take another bus, to get to a school that was maybe better than where they would have gone to their neighborhood school. Mm-hmm. Um and that was important to me to go to school and to become a young adult or to get closer to being a young adult with a lot of people who look different than me. Yeah. And that I, I didn't know, like I did, I didn't know that, 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 it, that he meant that much to you. I can imagine then that, that loss while it's, while other people don't even bat an eye and like, I didn't, even, for me, I didn't even know who this person was. Um, for, for you, I can imagine that it's probably like one of those losses where it really does sit with you for a while and you're just genuinely sad, yep. you know, just genuinely sad. And um, when people experience grief and loss, for, whether they're connected to you or not, you're like, the world is, is less of a place. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is less of a place with, with people clearly like him that are no longer in it, you know, even if it was just passing away from normal um being old being old yeah normal related things he's he's undersold and the the city of philadelphia i can only imagine was in mourning most of the weekend um and people of a certain age don't don't recognize his importance but Mm -hmm. just i had this feeling like i knew he was more important than just a basketball coach that did kid that did things that did right by kids and got him out of tough situations. Um, he was truly like a, a, a black social icon, mm-hmm. not to the level of Martin Luther King. And he only had so much reach, but some evidence of that is so he, uh, he grew up, I think in Jacksonville or somewhere in the South moved up to Philadelphia, was a great basketball player, like in, in the 50s, uh, eventually coached a little, coached high school, and then went and coached at, I think, Cheney University or Bethune-Cookman? Mm-hmm. I think Bethune-Cookman first, which was a historically black college. And he wasn't even looking for a job. And then Temple University, which I guess back in 1980 or so, had a slightly progressive president. Mm-hmm. And uh, that president didn't pick, didn't, go after John Cheney because he was black and wanted to wave this flag of, of black pride or anything in, in, in an inner city university. It's like, he's a damn good coach. And uh, John Cheney took the job ultimately because he said, black coaches don't get opportunities like this. Yeah. And we're not talking about like UCLA or Duke. That was a whole nother level. This mm-hmm. was an inner city, you know, urban university and Black, black people weren't afforded those opportunities. So he took it and became one of the greatest coaches ever in the, in the history of basketball. He meant so much to so many people in, in the black community in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. And I, I wish more people had known about him because he was so important to me. I mean, there's it, people like him are like the quiet monsters of, of just life-changing changing events for so many people. Obviously, having figures like Martin Luther King has, has the hidden figures, I guess. That's, how, that's what I want to yeah. say. Um, and he must have been one of them. And there was so much more of a difference he could make in the role that he was in at Temple and, and at the schools he was at before. And just how you're describing how he, where he used to pluck the kids and teaching them to be good people, that, that is how you make the difference. You know, it's at that local level where you're face-to-face with a handful or a couple handfuls of um, young adults and you're making them better people while giving them opportunities to showcase their skills and their talents. Um, and just kind of showing them what hard work is like. To take that a step further, um, he had written articles, I guess maybe it was in the 80s or 90s for Sports Illustrated, 
New York Times and like massive publications. Like I know some people scoff at those now, mm-hmm. um, how media has been democratized, but the, the zenith of publications and periodicals back then, he had written um, editorials. There was something called Prop 48 um, in in college sports where mm-hmm. if kids didn't get certain grades, they had to sit out their freshman year, like mm-hmm. SAT scores or GPAs. And um, he, he found the data and the research and says, by doing this, you are, are keeping black, mostly black kids from doing something that will keep them engaged at the university. Yeah. Um, and, and he fought against that um, religiously. And I think eventually it, it, he did. Ha- he was one of the pioneers of getting that to go away. But yeah, like, think about that. Like you, you get a kid off the streets, you're like, come play basketball for me, but wait, Oh, by the way, you don't have the grades, so you can't play or practice. And there's two kids he talked about who, who were some of the greatest players ever at the program would come in for practice every morning at 5 a.m. and usually fall asleep on the mm-hmm. bench. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have easily said, you know what, uh, we'll come play basketball for you next year. And by the time they had the opportunity to play, maybe they would have failed out of school. And he fought against this for black kids so that they could make something out of their lives. because they, they So that they could use the skills that they were given to play a sport, to get the education so that they could be better people. I did. I mean, I just, I obviously I was an athlete until I was 18 and graduating high school and I was an athlete. I, you know, played with my coaches for a really long time and they were literally the only things that held me together, specifically my coach Ham. I loved my coach Phillips, Lynn Phillips. She was, she was a woman, a, a lovely woman, but coach Ham, coach Hambone, it's Wyndham was his last name, but he was, you know, a black guy and he coached football and uh, women's basketball and he just meant so much to so many students in the school I still keep communication with him today he's still like hey Alex what are you up to what's going on celebrates my wins and accomplishments I go back and see him as as much as I can like I honestly will never my sports made me who I am 100% they made me who I am like the my ability to do what I do at work is because I was you know I was given Uh, permission to do it as a as a young adult like on the basketball court with my teammates and so they 100% made me who I am but it was because the coaches allowed me to do it and they were such a presence in my life and it was so important there were so many things that I didn't realize until I was an adult like when they would feed us before games and they said it's like well it's important that you that you eat so Coach Phillips was a teacher. She taught special education. And we knew that at this grade, at this period, we had to go to her classroom to make ourselves some food because we had a game that night. And it wasn't because, and she said, you need to have, you know, your energy so that you can play your game. It was because she knew there were so many students that weren't getting fed at home. I I didn't even know that. I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. And, you know, and my school was predominantly black. And on my basketball team, I was like, the whitest person, <laughs> you know, so um, there were just so many things that I didn't know anything about that they had such an influence on. And I always there would be girls that would come back and, and watch us practice and come to our games that played on the team like almost a decade ago. And it's just that's how much, you know, your coaches have an influence on your life and, you know, getting involved with the parents and many times where I almost like flunked myself out of playing or got in trouble and they were right there like right there step coming into my classrooms making sure i was doing what i was supposed to do they really do just make they there's such an influence on your life it's that obviously if you're lucky enough to play sports um or you have a relationship with these coaches it's that add-on from a parent you know at home that they're your parent in the school uh and Many coaches in inner city schools that are depressed in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Coach is all they got. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is a legendary, uh, well, it was an incident like in 92 or so. Now it's a legendary YouTube. <clears throat> so uh, John Calipari, who is the head coach of Kentucky now, uh, one, in the, one of the great recruiters of college basketball, great coach but back then he was coaching for for umass university of massachusetts mm-hmm. um and they were one of temple's rivals and calipari i don't know how old he was he must have been 32 33 but um slick good looking expensive suits kind of smarmy and he was kind of like uh, 
greasing the officials or giving them some shit after the game. And, and mm. John Chaney went after him. And mm. uh, this was that, that was in the lock. That was like in the hallway. And then Calipari is doing a press conference. John Chaney comes storming in and, and has to be held back. And he says, I'll kill you. I'll mm. kill you. Like, and he means it. Now, he mm-hmm. wouldn't have done it because he was a big teddy bear, but he was angry. And mm-hmm. he was fighting for the integrity of the game and defending yep. the officials and his kids. And I remember that moment when I was, I was a kid. I was like, that's, that's Philadelphia right there. You do the right thing and you speak your mind and you stand up for injustice and for people who can't fight their own fight. Um, and Calipari was smug and smarmy. And you know what? Calipari said it the other day, and I've known it for years. Um, they have become some of the world's best friends. Oh, that's good. I, that's, it's such a good story. and it's, But at the same time, it's unfortunate to hear that it's being spoken about because this person has passed away and is no longer with us. Um, and you hope that those kinds of qualities are passed on to other people in this world. Obviously, there, like, there's so many coaches you know, that are out there and you know that there's good people that are going to continue to try to encourage you to be, it's not about the sport. It's about the person playing the sport, um, you know, caring about the individual, but, um, it's, yeah, that's, I can't imagine. I know when the time comes in my, cause my coach, he's not old by any, I mean, he's older, certainly like my parents age. Um, but it would, I just, it would just be devastating. It would certainly be devastating. Yeah. And for my city, in my, the suburb that I was in in Cleveland would definitely show up to support that family because that's just that's rough. But yeah, I've seen that as well. I mean, even when you were when we're playing in games and and somebody from the other team does something wrong, or the co- even coaches from the other teams would be supportive of the girls that were a, on the opposite team. If that makes any sense, it's just when you're a coach, like you you are an example, and you need to continue to be that example and fight for that example 100%. I mean, my teammates had been benched plenty of times for not helping a girl up who fought, who fell and you just stepped over her or walked past her or something of that nature. Um, one last thing, if we could, mm-hmm. um, you didn't get a chance to talk about it last week and um, I've kind of moved on and it, it kind of has, but the, the whole GameStop thing I'm sure was confusing. <laughs> you shared a meme that I, that I quietly like giggled at. Where it's like, I don't know enough about stocks or GameStop to have an opinion. (laughs) I'm just like, what is happening? I just had a conversation today that was with Jordan, because Jordan is interested in that kind of stuff, where it was explained to me in a different way. And I'm like, oh, gotcha. I understand. But I'm just kind of like, what's happening? (laughs) Like, what's going on? I was just more excited I got my Facebook back. (laughs) I'm just like, yes! Because if you, if you had to get memes via text or otherwise, yeah, I get it. Um, as much as we all need to put Facebook down more often, not having it and being frustrated with the process, I, um, you had my sympathy. But <laughs> So the that. GameStop thing. It is what yes. it is. In fact, uh, the Reddit people have moved on to silver today. What's silver? Like the silver, like the, the, like the currency. Like oh. that. Um, they've, they've moved on, on to that. So... I was listening to uh, the podcast that I listen to more often than not and spent a lot of time listening to it during the election season called The Daily from the New York Times. Oh, yeah. You tell me all about that. I guess it's downloaded like millions of times each day. And um, just listening to – they always have experts. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the opinions still – or, or the issues still wind up over my head. But I, I can keep up for the most part. They do good explainers and things like that. And today as I'm listening to um, the one expert, the host – I forget his name. But he's always doing – hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like noises um, that come from him, and I, I guess it's that's its own sub Twitter on itself. But he was uh, kind of bringing out an opinion that I've had, and it goes back to our our fifteen dollar minimum wage thing, just just a little bit, but more so like in relationships or people in general. But in relationships, I can make the easiest analogy, um, but even when it comes to work as well. So with all that, and I don't know what game stocks game stops stock is right now. I'll look it up. It is at two thirty four. It was as high as four eighty, but mm-hmm. it was like in single digit dollars a couple before all this, before all this began, mm-hmm. like it was up 1700%. So a lot of people laid a, mo- a lot of money. A lot of people lost a lot of money, but 
GameStop never saw a cent of that. This mm-hmm. was only for the shareholders and hedge fund people. Games When the stock went up 1,700%, GameStop couldn't go, oh, yeah, now we can finally get Walmart out of business. Or now we can finally expand our... Like, they didn't see a cent of that. Right. It's just stocks and shareholders. So it it helps support my point that, you know, you see all the, the memes and the, the fuckology quotes of... Nobody tells you what you're worth. Nobody can tell you what your value is. The fuck they can't. Like, this is the perfect example of you as an individual do not determine your worth or value. Everything else around you does. You can determine how you respond to what others believe in you in a, in a relationship or something. You could, or, or like if you're pursuing someone, you could have, like you could think you've hit a real good spot like your fitness is on you got some new style and you're feeling as confident as you ever had about yourself but if somebody else doesn't feel that way about you you can feel as great as you want that person is just not going to be attracted to you in a $15 minimum wage world or whatever you think you're paying if you think you're working your ass off and you're working 20 hours more a week than you believe you should be working and you and you believe you 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 deserve a raise you might believe that, but at the end of the day, the person paying you determines what your worth and value is. You just have the you have the strength and character to walk away from it right. if you so choose. But you don't get to go, I'm worth this. Because your boss can go, no, you're not. You're fired. Well, I think, and these people weren't even doing it for the sake of like trying to support GameStop. They were right. doing it to get back at this hedge fund company that was um, banking on GameStop's destruction or, or, you know what I mean? Am I right? Yeah. My, that, that little monologue thing has nothing to do what was happening with GameStop. Just a further teasing out of like GameStop didn't get any money out of this. And you're exactly right. Reddit decided to back GameStop and fuck the hedge fund people who were, you've got the math worked out, right? Like the, the hedge fund people expected GameStop, to go down so they could make money. The Reddit people made it go up, so they lost all the money. And so the parts where I don't understand and not that I need an explanation now is like how the hedge fund stuff works. But then at the same time, like um, what that hedge fund does, you know, when there's a company that is potentially going other, under or they're predicting it to go under, that's just the cycle of life, is it not? In, in stocks and investing, like isn't that just like if i'm if i'm thinking of like in the sea where the big fish eats the smaller fish who eats their smaller fish who eats their smaller fish like isn't that kind of the same thing like don't we isn't it expected and and that happens in most companies so like while you're trying to stick it to the man for doing this to gamestop like that's just that's expected right or do you do we not know enough it reminds me, honest to God, it reminds me of one of my favorite movies, which I'm sure you don't know. If anybody, it, Thomas will ask what's Alex's favorite movie. It's Pretty Woman. And Richard Gere's character specifically bought companies that were going under and liquidated them. Like, you know, he like, like a shark. And it's, that's it's what the same hap- thing. That's what, happen- that's what has happened in my business. When I worked at iHeartMedia and Clear Channel in 2000, mm-hmm. 2008, Bain Capital... Um, which was a, a venture capital place. You often see it, uh, I think, uh, shortened to VCs. Venture capitalism will buy places that are sinking and then liquidate them and then resell them. And right. They, they cost a lot of people their jobs. Now, right. They were failing businesses in many ways. I, the only way I can answer, you're not wrong at all with what you talked about. The only way I can probably loop it back in with that is, so GameStop didn't see a cent of that money Mm-hmm. Um, and GameStop couldn't take any money and evolve their brand. Like right. they were still going to be a place that sold video games. Although right. over the last couple of years, they've tried to evolve. And if you walk into GameStop now, you've got to go like 20 feet before you see a video game because they sell a lot of collectibles and, mm-hmm. and Funko Pops. So that's mm-hmm. how they're trying to evolve. But through all of this, there was no golden goose to save GameStop and put them back on par with other internet retailers that would right. give them new life. Right. So that's why I'm saying you, like GameStop, didn't get to determine its worth or value. 
everybody but GameStop did. That's why I say you can work your ass off and think you're worth X. But if the person paying you doesn't believe you're worth X, all you can do is either take it or walk away. Right. And if the market doesn't reflect that, then it won't like it won't make a difference that like GameStop is hot right now and all these people are buying stocks because eventually they're going to go back down and they're not going to be worth anything. And so when you try to sell them, nobody's going to want to buy them. Right. Uh, Very likely. Uh, Now, look, I don't know this that well, but it seemed like most experts believe this was going to end badly for a lot of people. Yeah. But. Um, not necessarily. And I think those might've just been like wall street wonks trying to mm-hmm. save their friends. This worked out well. Like if you bought GameStop on Tuesday for, tw- if you bought a, let's do the math. Um, sorry, math on the radio. So you bought a thousand dollars. Hold on. I'm sorry. GameStop, GameStop right now is at 233. Okay. Let's say you bought, um, 200, let's say I have a thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. Oh my god! I'm sorry. I'll edit this stuff. I really will edit. A thousand bucks divided by twenty. So you bought fifty shares of GameStop stock at twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have fifty shares. What did I say? It's now worth two thirty three. Two thirty three, right? So fifty times two thirty three. You you now have your thousand dollars has turned into eleven thousand six hundred fifty dollars. And so then I would go and sell it right away, right. and then pocket that money. But. In the middle of the week last week, the people who did this were saying, hold the line, hold the line, don't <laughs> sell. They wanted to push it up even more because the higher it goes, the more the hedge funds get fucked because how they work, it's the opposite. They bet that it would drop. So the higher it goes up, the more you're sticking it to people. But ultimately, it will come back to what it is, which is a $11 stock or whatever it is. So can... First of all, can you tell me, did they actually use the term hold the line? Yes. Yes, they did. Yes. So you do know that's a QAnon, uh, that's a QAnon term. Like that's, hold the line has been used over the last couple of weeks when you're talking about stop the steal. And they were, I did read that a lot of this Reddit stuff, the term stop the steal and hold the line were also used. And I'm like, oh my God, is this an, a, another branch off of, folks who follow QAnon conspiracies because obviously QAnon conspiracies go far beyond just politics. Well, late last week you did see like uh, AOC and like Ted Cruz or people who would normally vehemently disagree agree that like what Robin Hood was like you had a lot of people who would usually disagree on the same side of things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But and today when listening to the daily, the one expert was like, yeah, this is this is this is like a modern revolution in some ways, because you see what happens when we take to the streets. Right. (laughs) So this is another way that you you can revolt. And when I hear hold the line, I think of Maximus Decimus Meridius or whatever in Gladiator going hold the line in the first scene of the movie. But it was fun to watch. And if anything, you know, I hope GameStop got some marketing out of it. I hope some people got somebody said, you know, this is what happens when everybody has the same info said wrong well right but wrong this info is out there for everybody this wasn't any kind of trading stuff this was just people who took an interest in the stock market and if that gets other people to be interested good for them maybe somebody will buy a 15 dollars stock and it'll go to 1500 so now i understand i understand because of this like i I understand a little bit more so i'm glad that i understand and i feel like if i would have had enough balls i might have purchased some myself and then tried to resell it so i could make a quick flip but I, it, it worries me, and I said, this to, um, I said this to someone else, it's just look at how many people saw what someone else was doing and then attached themselves to it and followed along with potentially not knowing enough information. You know what I mean? Like that, the, on the flip side, how many people got involved with this just because they saw that it was being talked about on Reddit? Lot, you know well, what I mean? On Twitter, it was everywhere. Yeah, well, yeah. So like how many people got involved with this with potentially not having enough education or information and then potentially got themselves into some shit um, that 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 could be worrisome. But I if I would have known a little bit more, I probably would have tried to jump on the bandwagon. Me too. F- flip some money. Um, I certainly could use it. Yep. All right. Well, we're uh, we're done for another we are? another dreary Monday. What does our week look like this week? What's going on uh, tomorrow? Now, I might grab Ashley tomorrow because she couldn't join us Aww. Friday and she had some stuff going on. Um, 
Wednesday, a gentleman named Russell Reisig, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, married Bill you from the Blade, said I have to talk to him. Um, usual Thursday, usual Friday, and uh, if you've got any black people we should talk to, it is black history. If you've got any groundhogs, let's get them on tomorrow. <laughs> I saw Kimberly made a comment, are you a groundhog? We were talking about the weather changing, or the weather taking a turn, or on the way to its turn. That was funny. I'm- Although... I am curious this conversation and maybe maybe it can be done with Ashley on. I Thomas and I are having a conversation and I essentially told him I said, "Honey, as soon as I get a ring on this finger, I am in control of all of our bills. Yours, mine, and ours." <laughs> Is what did he that, say about that? He he didn't disagree. He kind of nodded his head and he's like, "Okay. All right." That he's sounds like, like I'm not I'm not going like, to argue. That sounds like tomorrow's topic and then we can also talk about if you're feeling any if you're feeling better than you were on Friday about uh, you're going to potentially Mantis and you have to dress nice this weekend. Yes. So, yep. Yeah, I am. It's, Save I, for tomorrow. I think, I think it's still happening. But, yes, let's save that conversation for tomorrow because I'm curious what people think about, like, one person being in control of all the bills compared to another. Like, years ago when I thought about it and I'm like, I would be in control of all the money and basically give him what he can use, I thought that that was controlling and inappropriate but now that i'm thinking about it i'm like it's kind of smart <laughs> if one person is smarter with this than the other yeah. then you give it all to that person and that's you know that anyway we can talk about it tomorrow all right um i'll text you in a little bit i have some other other stuff to run by you okay bye all right, bye